Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Live Right Now. I'm really excited about this episode. I did an interview with a teacher uh, that was that taught the class that was most applicable and meaningful to me, a human development class, as well as a marriage and family class. Um, so I'm really excited to introduce you to my teacher, uh, former teacher, and uh, the inspiring and insightful things she shares about why mental disorders are increasing in the world right now. My name is Lucy Sharicia. I am an instructor at Salt Lake Mini College and I teach the marriage family relationship courses. So it's in the family and human development uh, department. And I love what I do because I can change lives. I hope that I change lives through as much when it comes to education and informing people in the research world, or at least to students about the research world in that particular field. So I love that. I, I love your classes. I, I, I love how you always back up whatever you say with, and okay, what do you think? Here's what the research says. And, and you come back to, to that. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're passionate about and, and why are you most passionate about that? When it comes to teaching or um, life? As, as for um, like what your message would be or what you feel like is important. So, um, gosh, there's so much, but maybe one of the big things that I, I'd love to hit on is the importance of uh, making sure that your children are hitting uh, developmental stages appropriately. So I feel like today's, at least today's society, a lot of individuals don't know how to um, help children grow to the healthiest form, especially when it comes to emotional regulation. And without good emotional regulation, then we see negative outcomes into adulthood. And unfortunately, sometimes it leads into disorders, mental disorders. So we've seen, you talked about how we, there seems to be like a rise in, in mental disorders. Um, do you believe that is that true, or are we just becoming more aware of of that? Yeah, great question. You, definitely there is a rise. At one point, people used to say that, oh, we're just becoming more aware when it comes to mental disorders. But now it's more than just being aware. The numbers are drastically climbing every year. So we can't just say it's, it's lack of awareness. It is just a, an increase when it comes to mental illnesses and mental disorders just in general. Gotcha. Now, I guess to the main question is why Why do you think that's happening? What do you think some of those causes might be that are um, causing us to have this increase? Yeah, so that's where the flood opens. There's a lot. But one of the biggest ones, um, as I mentioned, is lack of emotional um, intelligence or emotional education. Um, um, I don't know exactly the word I should use there. But uh, let's take, for example, a two-year-old that is throwing a temper tantrum. A lot of parents would naturally maybe think, oh, well, they need attention at this time. But really, they're learning to test their emotions to see if they get um, any reactions. But if you talk to the child and you say, if we're angry, first, maybe you want to talk about what anger is. What is anger? What what are you feeling right now? And really discussing that particular emotion and then labeling it for them. Are you feeling angry? 
And when we're angry, we don't throw temper tantrums, but we talk about our feelings. We take a deep breath. We take a walk. We count to ten, any of those things. So the child learns what the emotion is by labeling it and then also how to deal with that particular emotion in a healthy manner. So that's a good start when it comes to understanding emotions is those early years and as they grow, they can better identify their own emotions because emotions get more complicated as you age, right? So it's like, for example, it makes anger, sadness, what does that create? Um, kind of like the primary colors, you have the primary colors, what, blue, red, yellow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's kind of like the emotions. You have your basic emotions and then with the mixture of the basic emotions comes a lot of emotions. Kind of like inside out. Yes, <laughs> just like inside out. Um, <clears throat> so very critical that parents are engaging in that emotional uh, world for the children. I think what's happening is we're just, we don't have time for it, maybe. And we, maybe we think it's not that big of a deal. Um, we don't understand the impact of it later in life. Um, and then we also just don't teach basic things like empathy. So... I might be getting a little carried away. No, you're, you're good. Do, okay. Do you think that, like, the fact that parents can just, like, have their kids get on the iPad or watch TV, or, does that inhibit them connecting emotionally? Yeah. So, and this is where it's hard for me to try to not get too excited and start bringing out all these other areas. But let's take empathy, for example. A lot of parents think that, Empathy is just one of those things that children just naturally have. But research actually shows you are you how you were loved is how you end up loving others, right? So based on the empathy you received is the empathy you will give others too. So if parents are not making time for empathy for their children, for example, they come home and they say they had a bad day or Johnny did this today. And they say things like, I don't have time for that or there's worse of things in life. For them, that is a pretty big thing. They've never experienced something like that before. I mean, even in your personal life, if you were to come home and tell your spouse, oh, Johnny was mean to me, or I have a mean boss, or whatever, and your spouse were to say, oh, there's worse things in life, that's very invalidating, right? But for some reason, it's okay to do it with children, and that's where we're saying very unhealthy, because as an adult, you can be able to rationalize um, why your spouse isn't responding maybe to your need or um, what, what your request on how you're feeling. But for children, they just are starting to understand that, oh, this is how the world works. Empathy doesn't matter. You know, no one cares about my empathy. So why the heck do I need to care about other people's empathy? So very critical to sh- uh, make time for it and to acknowledge it, even though it may be painful, I think, sometimes for parents to actually sit there and listen and you know, have those conversations, but that's how they're learning. And I think back in the day when uh, it took a whole village or a whole community to raise a child, if parents were too tired to attend to that, right, they had aunties and uncles and next-door neighbors, so many people that could attend. But now it's only up to two parents. So they typically can't do it or they fail short or they're tired, whatever it may be. So unfortunately, the kid isn't learning basic things that would naturally happen in an environment that um, will conduce that kind of behavior. So very sad. But yeah, I agree. The iPads, TV, a lot of parents are just quick to shoo them away to have them do those kind of activity instead of engaging in conversations with them.
So you, you talked about how it's important to have, it's more important to have quality of interaction than, than quantity. And tell us yeah. a little bit about that. So I've mentioned that quite a bit in class, um, especially when it comes to um, d- 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 those early years in life. Um, quality is key. So sometimes a lot of parents will think uh, quantity is the important part. Well, you could have a stay-at-home mom, for example, as mentioned before uh, in class, that is staying at home with their kid but isn't having quality time with them. So maybe they're busy creating an art gallery in their um, extra room, right? Because they're really busy in that particular career or enjoy that particular hobby. And their kid is at home. And they're not really getting any engagement, any interaction, any conversations, any really much of anything. You just put them on the side and you say, watch TV. And then it's lunchtime, you feed them. Maybe they're young enough and you change their diaper. Uh, You're doing the basic stuff. But what we're saying here is past the basic stuff, which is quality. Um, Sitting down and talking to them. And uh, if they're young enough, holding, caressing, um, any of those like hands-on interactions is what we're talking about quality and that's the one where we see children learn how to uh, understand uh, relationships connect and also gain empathy they don't gain empathy simply by just living in your household and you just doing the basic things feeding changing them making sure they take a shower Um, those are just basics the real parenting and the hard part is the actual engagement a lot of parents i think they don't enjoy that part, right? Maybe they're thinking, oh, gosh, I have to talk to a two-year-old. I mean, I love my two-year-old, but I have to have a conversation or, or whatever it is that's going on in their head that makes it so difficult for them to do so. But that's what we're talking about, that it's very critical uh, to do that. I actually love doing that, right? Kids mm-hmm. get home or I see a little kid, I'm like, oh, how are you? How's your day? Oh, why does that make you sad? Or what's so exciting that happened today? Or... Oh, you want to play a game? Like, some people naturally can do that, right? And I don't know if it's a gift, perhaps. But then there's a lot of us that maybe would do naturally, be able to do that naturally, but are too busy or too tired or um, have other priorities. And again, it was very helpful when it was a whole entire community raising a child, right? But now it's always the pressure just for two. And sometimes they just fail short because they're just human. So, so you mentioned uh, a lot of different things here. Um, first, you talked about how one of the factors is um, kids being raised to be able to regulate their emotions and, and talked about how a lot of times kids aren't getting the opportunity to talk about their feelings and their experiences like they should. And sometimes they're getting um, just the basic needs, like, you know, just enough you know, if it was a plant, just enough water to keep it alive. Exactly. <laughs> but it's Not like, don't bother me. Yeah. I'm that way with my cat. I just, like, <laughs> Fine, I'll feed you once you meow at me. <laughs> it's okay. We're just cats. So. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just Are you kidding. a dog person? I love dogs. Working on loving cats, though. I'm sure they're just as phenomenal. <laughs> no, they're dumb. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's an issue I have. I don't know. Um, so when when we talked about this this subject in class, one of the things you you, you shared was was that there's different phases of of, of development for for a child, uh, like uh, dependence, independence. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that? How that connects to 
maybe the rise in disorders or yeah any thoughts on that so very early in the first year of life the child is learning dependency to the human species really right so again we think that children just have this natural ability to know how to connect and how to love and how to do all these things in essence i guess it's true that it's programmed for them to seek out that but they adapt to their environment based on what's happening in the environment so if they are trying to connect and no one's connecting they're learning not to connect right <clears throat> so the first stage or first of all until stage would be dependency so learning that other people can meet my needs as erickson would say trust versus mistrust can i trust society to meet my needs can i trust the human species to meet my needs my caregivers parents whatever whoever it is that's taking care of them so that's very normal and very healthy and um I I hit really hard. It's really critical that you're tending to those cries during that first year. As a society, we tend to think that children just cry for the sake of crying, right? Um, they need attention. Um, they 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 don't really need me there, kind of deal. But we know that the prefrontal cortex hasn't started to develop at this age. So, and that's the one that's in charge. That area of the brain is in charge of. Right, emotional regulation. It's in charge of um, impulse control. It's in charge of decision making. So to say that they can test you, not uh, not possible at that age. <clears throat> so that's dependency, meaning that they need you to attend to them because it's out of reflex that something is wrong. Right. So they'll cry out of reflex. Please attend, out of reflex, not some testing you, but because really something is wrong and I can't communicate. And what we know is if you tend to those cries um, the first year, they cry less. If you don't attend to those cries, we see more tears as they age, to, or at least as they get to age one. Mm-hmm. So the more tending, the better. It's all reflex at that age, regardless of what you see on TV. I mean, even right now, you could type on uh, the Internet saying, should I let my child cry? And you'll find articles that say, yeah, do. It makes stronger lungs, right? It makes a stronger individual. It makes a stronger boy, girl, whatever it is. But that's all not true. Uh, during that early year, it's just impulse. Um, it's just reflexes. So that's dependencies. Uh, that's stage one. And then this next developmental stage is independence. So naturally, they'll start moving into wanting to do things on their own. I want to tie my own shoes. I want to bun my own shirt. I want to um, but what is it? Buckle my own seatbelt, right? It's endless of I want to, I want to. That's natural uh, seeking out of independence, and that is very healthy. So it, dependency first. I learn to depend on others. Sex, the next developmental stage is um, independence. I learn that I can do things on my own, and I want to do things, and very healthy that parents allow their children to do those things, even if it takes 20 minutes longer than usual right but making the extra 20 minutes so they can have that independence so after they master that or after they feel pretty good about um having that autonomy they move to the next developmental stage i call it the fit-in stage mostly because it literally is the fit-in stage so what's happening in that stage is they're more focused about others than they were about themselves so it's kind of funny that nature creates us in this way. So first you you learn, really, it's just, you know, can people meet my needs? So it's kind of about me, right? Mm-hmm. Or 
people meeting my needs. And then independence, I want to do everything on my own. And then now you're seeing this um, new, another developmental stage where it's, well, you're telling me people don't feel the same way I feel? Because the stage right before, everything revolves around me. Very egocentric, right? Um, I can't see past myself. You know, toddlers are very much... I'm happy. Aren't you happy? You throw a ball to them. They go off and play with it. And they're thinking, I'm in a good mood. You're in a good mood. Very positive, fun stage, right? And then um, now six, sorry, that's two to five-year-olds. Now we're looking at six to 11-year-olds are now starting to compare. And now they're starting to think, oh, my goodness, uh, I'm probably not this best thing that I've always thought that I was. And now they're trying to fit in in society if your society is more about arts and music. Now they want to be into arts and music. If it's more about sports, they want to be in sports. Whatever it is or whatever your family emphasizes, they want to fit in because now they're starting to recognize people outside themselves, right? And that's very healthy. And that's around 6 and 11. Uh, A very fun stage um, only because it's not as this egocentric me 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 i want to i want to now it's what can i do how can i fit in um you know this is the also the age of please come support me at my soccer game because i'm just learning that i'm not the best soccer player as i always thought i was (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so uh again very healthy uh that stage and then you see the next developmental stage is adolescence and it's back to the uh independence right the me 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 the egocentric the focus on myself um but because they hit the stage right before they can actually do both right so they can be able to think about themselves they've almost gone backwards as um a researcher will call it adolescent egocentrism um, because taller is just egocentrism and now it's adolescent egocentrism even though they're focused on themselves they too can also be able to st- uh, focus on others because they just did the stage before. But again, we see the um, emphasis going backwards there for a second on oneself. Um, and then obviously as they age, uh, they move to an uh, emerging adulthood. And that's again, I, I guess that would be the more of the balancing between others and themselves. And the older you become, the less self-centered you become because adolescence is very self-centered, egocentric, kind of like toddler years. As you age, you become less self-centered. Maybe it's because of children, society, whatever it is, and that's when we see people reporting more happiness in adolescence. You know, when you focus on yourself a lot, you don't really, you're not very happy, right? But so once you start moving away from that age group, then you start seeing um, more reports of happiness, and that happiness continues all the way until you get in your elder years so because you're serving more right so it's whether having kids or whether it's through job or whether it's your grandchildren i honestly think it's well i don't think it is true the more you serve the more happiness you receive um now i'm just going back to the circle (laughs) sorry during that six to eleven year age where they're starting to think outside themselves but we, we we start to teach them in society that um, think about your future, think about you. you, me, 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 and not necessarily about the community does a big disservice for them. Right? So we're starting to kind of teach them things that go contrary to the way they would naturally. Yes, develop. yeah. Um, that's why I don't like the whole, like, everyone's a winner, everyone's a star, everyone gets golden stars, 
you need to learn to uh, recognize yourself as you are, right? I'm not always a winner. I'm not always a star. And that's okay. Because when you look at, now we're talking into disorders. I'm so sorry. I get really excited about these things. But <laughs> Whatever you're passionate about, go ahead. Okay, so for example, narcissism. Um, I've been talking quite a bit of that in my class this semester. Um, doing When you look at narcissism, it's really kind of like a two or three-year-old age developmental stage, right? Yeah. Me, 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 me. I need validation. I'm amazing. No one else is better, you know, kind of me, like that whole idea. And it's, it's almost like they're stuck in that developmental stage, right? The two or three-year-old egocentric um, mentality. It's like an undeveloped brain. Yeah, so I could argue that perhaps six to 11-year-olds, that age group, we're not giving them enough opportunity to serve in the community. We're not giving enough opportunity for them to engage in the community, to connect in the community. So it's almost like they're stuck in that developmental Could stage. Could you also say maybe it's like family influences on that too? Um, of the disorder or yeah, just like... Yeah, like let's say they have a narcissistic parent. Oh yeah, Are of course. Not, yeah. Like, and if with the narcissistic parents, they would obviously emphasize on, you know, me, 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 me again, right? Yeah. So well, I guess in that case, it would be more about mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. But again, not as a not to society you know um so take collectivist cultures very much emphasis on others families communities uh, we do things in behalf of you know families communities our country whatever individualist cultures like ours not really we do it in behalf of ourselves right and we don't feel guilty because our culture says that's what we should be doing, right? Huh. But what I'm trying to hit on is empathy is learned. So if we're having a culture where it's me, 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 um, everyone's a winner, I'm always a star, I'm always special, I'm always unique, me, me, plan everything that revolves around me for my future, and not necessarily my community when we know this is a, a big part of them learning to connect at least in you know especially the six to eleven year old years of age learning to connect we're doing them a disservice and so they don't necessarily connect as well as they probably were intended to connect especially during that age group so so you talked about the different stages of development and then how our culture kind of affects people's yeah. development did you say the education system also? Yeah, the whole entire culture, the whole entire system. Yeah, once all messed up. <laughs> it's all messed up, yeah. So, like, there's benefits to individualistic cultures, and there's negative side effects, right? And I think now we're really seeing that negative side effect. Um, there's benefits to collectivist cultures. There's also negative side effects, you know. Too much focusing on others and not enough of you. I always say it's both. It should be a... a, a individualistic and collectivist to be a healthy individual but our nation is swinging really hard on individualistic me 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 all the time and so prime times where we're supposed to learn to connect where it's easier to connect right where kids can just go up to somebody and say hi can you be my friend you want to play together we're not given as much exposure or experience in that and that is the easiest time right as you age it becomes harder and harder and then people get into adulthood and, and they say things like, I don't know how to make friends. Making friends is hard. I, I'm i an introvert. And that's fine to be introvert, but the more of, I just can't talk to people. Well, we're made to connect. And um, there's a lot of cultures where 
children that are introvert learn to still be able to communicate and make friends just fine but in our society it's just so, so what's i mean what's happening right now why why is that i mean such a sharp increase in disorders and is is that um what factors are at play here with that so many but my biggest thing is um the emotional regulation and the lack of being taught empathy so are we just like recently getting worse at that than, than oh yeah before? yeah well we almost we almost live in a society where we think emotions are not really important or yeah. you know i also feel like like emotions are negative and, yeah. and positive but really they're just neutral yeah yeah, we, we label them really like, oh my gosh, you're having such a negative emotion. And it's like, no, I'm experiencing this. Even if it's anger, for example, mm-hmm. you feel it, right? And then you express it in a healthy way. But what do we do today? Whether it's anger or sadness or any negative quotation mm-hmm. feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we shove it under the rug. We turn on our favorite TV show. We eat chocolate. We... Uh, we do anything but feel it and be with it, right? And so what happens with emotions, though, they don't disappear when you do that. All they do is just hide and grow, and then they manifest in other areas. So just as society, as a culture, we don't recognize the importance of emotional expression, especially with men. And that's mm-hmm. why we see, for example, narcissism be such um, more of men we see more narcissistic men than we see narcissistic women because men are not allowed to feel they're not allowed to express emotions they're not allowed to uh really feel anything but anger which is so sad because we know that they're human just like women but it's just the culture that really tries to think that somehow they shouldn't have those feelings so and that creates issues right like narcissistic disorders. <laughs> what, tell us, I mean, what other disorders? And I, I know we've seen like an increase in, in suicides and depression and things. Is it is it all related to just not connecting emotionally? Yeah. Like we need to. Or? Yeah, you asked such a big question, but yeah, all of it. It I, for example, when COVID happened, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we decided to shut down our nation. The first thing I thought, I was like that would not be good mentally (laughs) for anyone, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, sure enough, you know, that's what happened. We saw an increase of suicide rate and um, a lot of um, just loneliness and, you know, all these feelings that we naturally um, seek out when we need that connection, but we couldn't have that. So our society where... um, I guess we're just kind of feeling like we could survive in isolation. I think that's where we're almost going in that direction. I have my video games. I have my books. I have my own place. What else do I need, you know? So that actual connection with people, that is innate. And it's programmed in our bodies to connect. I think plays a part when it comes to um, mental disorders. Uh, obviously, there's chemicals imbalance. We're not going to try to dismiss that whatsoever. But to see such a rise when it comes to mental disorders, we can't deny that there's a lot of environmental factors that are occurring that we're not addressing. In my, in my abnormal psych class, we talked about, like, and I'm probably getting, like, the percentages all messed up, but there was, like, a little a little percentage of natural occurring, like, depression and anxiety, and mm-hmm. then, like, there was a bigger percentage of, like, 
environmental factors. Yeah. Which is so sad. It <laughs> is. It's kind of like diabetes. So what is yeah. it? 10% are diabetes 1, which is biological, mm-hmm. right? They cannot help it. They were born with that um, illness. Yeah. But then like 90% of it is diabetes 2, which is all environmentally influenced. Yeah. Which is exactly. absolutely insane because we could reduce diabetes the way we think about food is, is not... Yeah, not, not at all healthy. Yeah. So, anyways, our whole nation is just... It is. <laughs> it is. It's sad to watch. So would you say, like, these mindsets and, and I guess, principles that we, we have of how to um, communicate, cope healthily, and respond with emotions that um, aren't working, like... Hey, just go watch TV. I'm not going to actually connect with you. Do you think that these these things are just kind of multiplying because it's becoming cultural, and that this is this is what society does, and this is what I'm going to do in my parenting? Is that maybe yeah? Part well, of it? what is that saying? TV is my babysitter, right? Uh-huh. That's not a joke anymore. That's reality, right? And uh, social media, uh, phones. I mean, all of that. All of those things where we're just kind of thinking it's not that big of a deal. I can do. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching a little bit of uh, TV or social media, but the amount that we are engaging in versus actual connection with people is what I'm saying is an issue. And a time where it's easier to connect and learn to connect with people, childhood, right? We're not giving that opportunity to kids. So, because maybe we're also fearful of stranger danger, so we just keep them locked indoor, um, whatever may be the reason, but those natural exposure or opportunities of connecting um, during those early years are just not there as often as they used to be. And again, that's the prime time to learn how to connect, right? It's the easiest. Remember when you were little? You just go up to some random person, do you want to be my friend? You know? I was never that person. <laughs> I was always the one that people or kids would come up to me and talk to me. And ask you, yeah. But that's the easiest time, and it yeah. gets harder as you age. So why not at least kind of try to master it or get the exposure during the easy times, and then it gets a little easier. Mm-hmm. Or it's a little easier when you get older. So what I'm hearing is, like, at the at the phases in a person's development when they should be connecting with people because of of culture and and media and how we are raising our kids now and the influences on them, they're not getting those opportunities to connect in real ways the way they should. And that need isn't being met. Yeah, exactly. And so that leads to different disorders that people are having. Yeah. And again, I don't want to ever downplay biological disorders, right? right? But when I'm talking about even like anxiety, right? Um, and what a lot of people say, I'm anxious when I meet people. It causes so much anxiety. So then I have social anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, gosh, exposure, right, during those early years. So you learn that people aren't scary, you know. And um, most people aren't going to eat you alive. Because when you become an adult, it's almost this fearful thing of, what if this, you know. But... <laughs> If you had enough exposure of it, you're like, chances are that's not the case. Of course, it might happen. Maybe one of them might be a kidnapper. <laughs> but most aren't, you know. And maybe you could even learn at that age what are the p- 
people like make you feel a little uncomfortable Mm -hmm. you know kids are really good at feeling the energy and um uh, getting a sense of the environment emotionally so like just getting practice kind of like a musical instrument right if you are given opportunity to learn a musical instrument at an early age your chances of excelling in adulthood is high right if you're given an opportunity as a child to engage in communication and um, engage in talking with other people and engage in um, connecting with others, chances are you're probably going to do better when it comes to that when you get older. It's practice, right? I guess what I'm saying is we're just lacking that because we have all these other things that are just taking away time from it. That's um, crazy. So, so we have this need to connect and that need isn't being met because yeah. of technology Technology. food and culture yeah and just the culture in general um the lack of connection we just don't think it's important or even like i mentioned um labeling emotions right please join us for part two of this episode